Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. If you will, I want you to take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of Numbers, chapter 21. Thank you, ladies, worship team. Let's give our worship team a good hand this morning. Amen. Listen, I don't know if you realize the difficulty of that, that the worship team has to deal with and uh, the leaders and all that. It's, it's very difficult that everything is going good during the week and maybe on a Friday or even a Saturday somebody comes up not feeling good and you have to make a shift. Everything that you planned all week is no good anymore. Now you got to make a shift. And uh, musicians call, don't show up, can't come because of sickness or something like that. And everything gets thrown out. It's, it's a difficult thing. It's a difficult time. So I appreciate Sister Natalie and, and uh, these ladies, uh, Sister Kathy and uh, I appreciate what you do because I know it's hard. I know it's, it's uh, stressful sometimes. And so we are, we're so grateful uh, with our sound crew. The whole, the whole outfit has been like that. And so you just don't ever know. It's, it's literally hour to hour. And so uh, it's just a blessing uh, for those of you that uh, have been able to step up and step in and, and serve. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Is it hot in here? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I, it was just a question. I'm not going there. Uh, just a question. Numbers chapter 21. <clears throat> and we're going to begin reading with verse 4. I want to I want to preach uh, what some might say, well, you know, that's just a, a simple, old-fashioned message, but I want to preach on the power of the cross today. Yes. Yes. Amen. Jeremiah said, as for the old path, where is, wherein is the right way. I, I believe this morning that the, the situation that we find ourselves in, I'm, I just want to talk to you for just, i tell you what, go ahead and just sit down. I don't want to put too much pressure on your legs, so just sit down. I believe this morning that we are living in a most critical time, not only for this nation, but our world. The reason I believe that is because I, I'm no prophet. I'm, I'm not, I don't study end-time prophecy a lot. But I know when I see things, and I know when Holy Spirit checks me on things and and grips my heart on things and I see things 
that are going on in our world. And it's like, it's like the things that are taking place in our world, all across the world, even in the United States, is, is a slow push toward a cliff, if I could describe it like that. It's just something happens over here and, and we realize that is something that's just getting us a little bit closer. Things are happening in our world today that are getting us just a little bit closer to a cashless society. Just it's a slow drift. And there's a danger in drifting slowly. Because you don't realize how far you've drifted until you reach a point of no return. And so what we see, even, even things that are going on in the Middle East, are, I believe all this stuff that has happened in Afghanistan and decisions that were made and all of that over the years are culminating now into something that is going to be destructive later on. I'm not giving you a gloom and doom scenario, but what I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, is that I want to see revival. My heart is to see revival. I'm going to preach revival. I'm going to declare revival. I'm going to speak awakening. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scream it if, if, if I have to leave here and find a, a, a pine stump in the middle of the woods, then I'll preach to the squirrels and the wildlife. But I'm going to declare that God wants to bring revival because I believe that that is his heart, is to bring revival. Is America gone past or has America gone past? The point of no return? I don't know, but I can tell you this. If there is not a return, America is in a mess. And I'm not talking about some, uh, some uh, anemic wearing a cross around your neck, putting your name on a church roll somewhere. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a true spirit of repentance and brokenness. The thing that we have lost sight of in the American church is this thing about repentance. We think that we can come and say, I'm sorry, God, because I messed up last week, and we can go back next week and do the same thing over. The repentance that is biblical repentance is that when I mess up, I repent of that, and I turn around and I get away from it. I don't use grace as, uh, as, as a good luck charm that I can come and say I'm sorry and go back to doing the same thing over and over again. There, there are signs of revival that's breaking out across our nation. There are signs and there, there are uh, little fires that are breaking out. And, and my prayer is, God, let revival come. We're, we're called to do everything we can to bring revival. 
But revival is not something of where everybody gets to feeling good and, and we have a message in tongues every now and then and, and everybody goes out of the church feeling good and with a little skip and a hop in their step. Revival is when we recognize our depravity before a holy God and we recognize that we've lived in sin and without Jesus, the blood being shed and applied to our lives, that we will never be able to break free from what we're dealing with. We've lived in a culture so long, a church culture, that where we've been promised the blessing and God's going to do this for you. He's going to provide for you. He's going to give you this and he's going to do all that and all that's good. But at the same time, we've allowed the standards of righteousness and holiness to die. So I believe that the key to coming back to where God desires for us to be is that we have to revisit the cross. No, listen, no wonder we struggle with the old man. No wonder we battle with old things, old habits, old relationships, old ideas, old attitudes. Because the cross is the only instrument that is meant to do away with the old man. No wonder that we have such a battle in our culture today, in the church, of where struggling with all kinds of things, homosexuality, pornography, habits, and things such as this, because we have not crucified the old man. There are testimonies of people that are right here in this church that were drug addicts, that were hooked on porn, and things like that, that they never had to go to any kind of rehab, and they never had to go to any kind of counselor because they recognized that when they fell on their face before God and truly committed to Him that problem and that habit and that stronghold, and they broke themselves beneath the power of the cross, that the cross brings redemption. All right, that was my rabbit trail for the day, or my soapbox. Numbers 21, verse 4, the power of the cross, and I want to subtitle that, the cross is your answer. Numbers 21, verse 4, and they journeyed from Mount Or by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread, or this manna. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. For we have spoken against the Lord and against you. 
pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Thank you, Father, for your word. Guide us today, Holy Spirit. Teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. One thing that I want to bring out there in addition to what I'd already planned was that I want you to notice, guys, the role that Moses played in this situation. I want you to notice that even though the people were speaking against him, and even though the people were discouraged and they were frustrated, and they were taking their frustrations out against him, I want you to notice that when they came to Moses and, and asked him, or said that we have sinned, we've spoken against the Lord and against you, I want you to notice in verse 7, the Bible says that Moses prayed for the people. The reason I'm saying that today is this. Don't let an angry culture stop you from praying for them. Don't let people, that even if people do you wrong, even if they talk about you, even if they uh, speak against you and all of that, don't let that stop you from praying for people. The reason I say that is because you could very well be the one that God is going to use to bring healing and deliverance to those people. What would have happened if Moses had refused to pray for the people? What will happen if you refuse to pray for the people? All right, just want to give you that. Listen, the Bible says here in this story that the children of Israel uh, were on their journey into the wilderness and that the soul of the people was very much discouraged because of the way. In other words, the journey that the children of Israel were on, the path that they were on, the situations, the circumstances, of what they were having to deal with had, because, had, had caused them to become very much discouraged. Everything, listen, and, and, and one of the things that had discouraged them, I'm sure, was that, that they uh, recognized that this journey that they were on, that they were right close to the promised land at that point, but yet, they could not cross over. They were right close to the very promises of God, but yet they could not cross over. They were just a few days' journey away from obtaining their promise from God, but yet God had for some reason not allowed them to step into that promise. So they were discouraged with that. They were discouraged with all the things that were going on. Listen, Sometimes we can get out of Egypt 
but we fail to get Egypt out of us. Sometimes it's easy to break away from Egypt geographically, but we can't break away from Egypt spiritually. And, and listen, sometimes when those things happen, it's easy to point a finger at somebody else and say it's your fault. But God wants us to recognize today that He wants to bring healing, and the only way that He can bring healing is that when we recognize where we are and be honest with ourselves. Listen, notice something about discouragement. When discouragement uh, along the way comes, that uh, the Bible says the bread, the manna that they had prayed for, that they had said, we're starving out here, we need something to eat. God gave them manna. He brought manna supernaturally. Now, uh, because of their discouragement, they're frustrated with even that. Listen, there's, if you're not careful that some, uh, when you get discouraged, what used to be what you prayed for uh, in your discouragement will become something that, that you uh, don't like anymore. It, it will cause, listen, uh, the blessing of yesterday, today will not be good enough. That's what I was looking for. Discouragement will cause yesterday's blessing to not be a good enough blessing today. Discouragement will cause what God did for you yesterday, today it's not good enough. Discouragement will cause the miracle that God worked in your life yesterday, that today it's not good enough. Why? Because you're discouraged, because discouragement... Uh, takes your eyes off of the blessing that I possess right now and causes me to look at what I don't have. Discouragement will cause you to look at down the road and say, I could have that, I could do this, I could be there, but this is where I am and I'm discouraged. But I want you to notice something. If you're discouraged, if you're frustrated, maybe you've, been, maybe you've even been lashing out at people. Maybe you've even been downing and gossiping and degrading people in your life. Maybe you've even been talking about people and, and saying, well, if it was this or I would do that. Maybe you've even been putting down your president. Maybe you've been putting down your government leaders and all of that because you're discouraged and because you're frustrated and all of that. Well, let, can I tell you something that will make you feel a li little bit better? That even in the midst when God God sent fiery serpents into the camp of the children of Israel and these fiery serpents bit them and thousands of people died because of the, the venom of these fiery serpents. It was a judgment that God had released upon the camp of the children of Israel. But can I tell you something that even in that, even in the time that they were murmuring and complaining and God sent bread, uh, manna, even at the time when they said, we don't have no steak to eat. We don't have no meat to eat. And God flew birds in and covered the whole ground of the camp and, and gave them uh, manna in the morning and bread, uh, fear, uh, 
meat in the evening time and even when they were thirsty and they fussed and murmured at Moses and complained to God and God said Moses take your rod and smite the rock and water came out of the rock even in the midst of all of those times when they were rebelling even when Korah and all of his family rebelled against God and, and, and Moses and said we could do it better we need to get rid of you Moses and get you out of the way because we could do the job better even in the middle of all of that stuff and all the rebellion and all the backbiting and all the murmuring and all the complaining and all the backsliding even in the middle of all that stuff there was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that never disappeared Look in your Bible and, and, and look at it because the cloud by day never left them. The pillar of fire by night never disappeared. Even in the middle of all their backsliding and all their rebellion, God said, I'm still here to let you know I'm still on your side. Exodus chapter 13 verse 22 says that the pillar of fire by uh, night and the cloud by day stayed with them in the wilderness wanderings. You didn't get that. That is the faithfulness of God. I'm preaching on the cross, but I'll get to the cross in a minute. The faithfulness of God. The mercy of God. The love of God. Listen, they, didn't even, they hadn't even heard about the grace of God. But yet the grace of God was right there with them. And I want to tell you, in the middle of the hypocrisies, in the middle of all the junk, in the middle of all my failures, in the middle of all my mess-ups, in the middle of all my backslidings, in the middle of all my grumbling and my complaining, and Lord knows I have grumbled and complained enough for a lot of people over the past several months. I have belly ached, I have cried, I have wept, I have complained, I have murmured, I have resigned, I have started back up and I quit again and then I started back up in the middle of all that stuff there was still a cloud of glory that was over my life that said son I know where you are but I'm not going to back away from you yet I know what you're going through and I believe today that God is saying to the church I know where you are, I know what you're going through, I know your pain and I know your struggle but my glory is still there to help you out. I never paid any attention to that until this morning, and I sat down and I began to read that. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and He said, Son, it doesn't matter how much they grumbled and complained. The cloud was still there. I want you to, you need to write that down if you didn't write it down. Listen, the serpent on the pole became a symbol. It, and it was a, it was a picture then of a future redemption that would come as a result of the cross of Jesus Christ. 
What God did for the children of Israel in the wilderness became a picture of a future redemption. They could look on this pole with this serpent. And those that looked on that serpent would be healed. But here's the thing. If you study about this serpent on the pole, that at that time became the savior of the nation of Israel because thousands of people were dying because of these fiery serpents. But that stopped it. The serpent on the pole stopped. It stopped the plague or it stopped the effect of the venom of these fiery serpents. So therefore, the serpent on the pole became a redeeming factor for them. But the propensity of people, if we're not careful, is that what God did yesterday and how God delivered me yesterday and brought me out, if I'm not careful, I will allow those victories of yesterday to become memorials and shrines that I camp around and I worship around those shrines. And I eventually will forget that it was God that gave me victory and not my little shrine. See, the Bible says, in the book of 2 Kings chapter 18. And verse 4 that King Hezekiah became king. He was 20 something years old when he became the king of the nation of Judah. And the Bible says that when Hezekiah became king, he removed the high places. And he broke the images because Israel was in a state of rebellion. And so Hezekiah came up and he removed the high places and he broke the images. And he cut down the groves and the groves were groves of trees where they would gather around those groves and, and worship the God of Baal and Ashtoreth and all these other gods. And he, bro he broke in pieces the brazen serpent. Are you serious? He broke in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made in the wilderness. Now, listen. What was a symbol of redemption yesteryear had then become a symbol of idol worship. 
And I want to kind of, because I want, you to, I want you to understand what I'm saying. The very thing that God had, had used so that they could have a, listen, you know why Jesus came in the flesh? It's because God wanted us to see redemption. God wanted us to be able to put our eyes on something and, and it have a flesh content about it so that he could say, he's like you are. He can identify with you because he walks like you, talks like you. And but, but the thing that God used to redeem and save the nation of Israel had become a, a symbol or a, a picture of idolatry. I want you to notice what they, they had done. They had begun to worship this brazen serpent, but they had forgotten about the God that had initiated the brazen serpent. The Bible says that Hezekiah broke it, destroyed it, and reestablished worship with God. You see, in our culture today, many people wear crosses. Nothing wrong with wearing a cross around your neck. Nothing wrong with having a cross hanging on your wall. But that's not your salvation. That's not your redemption. It is simply that that God used to bring about the death of his son. So I want to tell you now the rest of the story. Because I believe that what God is saying is that I want you to get your eyes off of the symbols and I want you to come back to worship of who I am. In John chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says this, Jesus was speaking. You know Jesus. He's the one that was born of a virgin in a town called Bethlehem. He was the Son of God that had become God incarnate. Jesus was speaking in John chapter 3 and verse 14, and he referred back to Exodus or to Numbers when he said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus again said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to me. This he said signifying that 
the death that he should die. So you see, Jesus came in John chapter 3 and said, If I be lifted up as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must I be lifted up. And he said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. You see, Jesus came and was lifted up on the cross. He was crucified on the cross. It is through the power of the cross, that instrument of death, that he died. But what we've got to be careful of and what we need to recognize today is that it is Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. But the power of the cross today to us represents a dying to ourselves. Like the serpent was lifted up on the pole in the wilderness, in the New Testament, Jesus was lifted up on the cross. As the serpent hung or stood on top of the pole, the serpent uh, had no venom in it. The one on top of the pole had no venom in him. He was not able to kill, but he was able to bring life. As Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, he was without sin. He knew no sin. He died on the cross of Calvary, and he was without sin. But he died to bring life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, he said, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Notice what Paul said, that the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. So be prepared, ladies and gentlemen, and we, we see it very plainly in our culture today that nobody wants to talk about the cross. Nobody wants to hear a gospel where you've got to die to yourself. Nobody wants to hear a message today of where you've got to die to yourself in order to live for Jesus. We want to hold on to our sins and have our Savior as well. We want to hold on to that cross, but we want to hold on to our little pet peeves and all these things. But I believe that what God is saying today is that I want uh, a people that will come back to understanding what the power of the cross represents. I believe today that God is calling the body of Christ back to a place of where we recognize I've got to bow beneath the cross and allow the power of the cross to do away with my sins, with my attitude, with my mind, and all those things that, that war against my mind. You see, but to the world outside, the preaching of the cross is like a bunch of foolishness because they don't understand why you've got to die to yourself. But in reality, it is the very thing that's going to bring revival. It's the very thing that's going to bring restoration to our lives. Listen, because I've, I've watched and I've heard and I've listened 
to many, many flowery messages of blessing without repentance. But I want you to understand this morning that the cross is your answer, sir. The cross is your answer. Maybe the, maybe the problem is that we need to die to ourselves. Maybe the problem is that I need to understand that I've been trying to do it both ways. I've been trying to live a life for the Lord, but I've been trying to hold on to my little sins and my little attitudes and my rebellions. And God is saying the cross was meant to destroy everything that is not pleasing to God. It's the power of the cross. It's not the power of the cross that you wear around your neck. It is the power of understanding that I've got to give myself to the Lord and die to myself on a daily basis. That's the reason Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want to come after me and be my disciple, you must deny yourself daily and take up your cross and follow me. I know. I know there are other messages that we could have preached. But as I look at our world and I look at our situations, I have to ask myself the question, God, what is the answer for the problems that we're facing today? God, what is the answer for the situations that I see families and, and uh, children and, and people going through today? What is the answer? And it's back in John chapter 3 and verse 16. God gave His Son, His only Son, that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but would have everlasting life. But oh, but pastor, that's not going to bring the crowds and that's not going to cause people to be happy. But can I share something with you today? I believe that God is saying, I want you to be holy more than I want you to be happy. I want you to walk in my power and my anointing more than I want you to walk in anything else. So it's the power of the cross. Paul said in the book of Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, he said this, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and I unto the world. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Paul said again, I am not ashamed of the power of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. 
is the preaching of the cross. The very thing that the world doesn't want to hear is the very thing that the world needs to hear. But see, the reason that the cross is so hard is that the cross demands that I deny myself. See, the cross declares death. The cross declares laying yourself down. See, before I can understand the power of resurrection, I've got to understand the power of death with Him. Before I can walk in the, in the power of a life, a new life with Him, I've got to recognize I've got to lay my old life down. And many might say, well, Pastor, you really need to be focusing on preaching uh, on the end time and you really need to be focusing on preaching about the Antichrist and, and, and the mark of the beast and all those things that you really need to be focusing on that. But it will do you no good to know every detail of the mark of the beast. It will do you no good to know down to the to the very moment that Jesus is coming back if you have not understood the effect of the cross on your life. Because without understanding the power of the cross, there can be no power of the resurrection. And without understanding the power of the cross, there can be no power of Holy Spirit that will work in your life. And without the understanding of the power of the cross, you will never understand how to boldly declare that God is a healer and He's a restorer and a redeemer. You see, we've got to come back to the power of the cross. The preaching of the cross. The very thing that the world looks at and says is foolishness. Is the very thing that God said, I'm going to use this to bring redemption. See, because God has never used the ideas and the schemes of man to bring about his glory God always causes the ideas and the schemes of man to look foolish because he's God amen would you stand with me please Jesus said in John chapter 3 and verse 14, he said the same effect that the serpent, the raising of the serpent in the wilderness had then, he said, will be the same effect that me being lifted up on a cross will have. Because if I'm lifted up, I will draw men to myself. You see, when Jesus hung on the cross, when Jesus gave himself on the cross, he was our sacrifice 
for our sins. The cross represented the very instrument that God would use to bring about salvation for mankind. Not just the forgiveness of your sins, but I believe that the word salvation covers sickness and all that. But it was through the power of the cross <clears throat> that that came. And if, and if Jesus had died on the cross, if he had shed his life's blood on the cross, and there was a period at the end of the sentence, it would be different. But all down through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see where the cross is mentioned. In the epistles, you see where the cross is mentioned. Not that we have to go get two pieces of wood, stick it in the ground, and hang ourselves on the cross anymore. But it is a picture of dying to ourselves. Death to ourselves. I read testimonies of, of people uh, a few weeks ago in Afghanistan that were facing, they were facing death. And it remains to be seen the atrocities, no doubt, that have come about over there. But people that were facing death and the messages that they sent where they had gotten a peace, a calm had come over their lives. Can I ask you something this morning? How much time do I spend in my life figuring out how I can add to myself rather than die to myself? Maybe God today is saying, I'm trying to kill some things in you. I'm trying to deal with some things in you. Maybe today God is saying, I know you love me, but I want to I deal with that attitude. Maybe God today is saying, I see you where you are, but I just want you to give me all of who you are. See, we can put on our makeup and we can do all that, and I'm not, I'm not beating you up. I'm just, I'm a pastor. And we can look good on the outside and we can smile and we can say all the, the King James words and all that, these, thou, and thus. And everybody on the outside admires our spirituality. But when we get home, when we're by ourselves, when we think nobody's watching, when we think nobody's listening, the garbage
See what God is saying. If you want revival, that must die. If you want a move of my power in your life, then recognize I'm trying to kill some of that stuff. Because it's venomous. It's deadly. So this morning, Sister Kathy, are you would you come? We'll just we'll just do some music and just play. But I want to ask you this morning. Are there things in your life that Holy Spirit is saying, I want to kill that. I want to deal with that. The only way that I can deal with it is if you put it on the cross. So I'm going to just ask you this morning, as Sister Kathy plays, I'm going to ask you if you've got some things you say, Pastor, you know what? I need, I need to put this on the cross. Man, I got this, this I got, just got this stinking attitude. And it always rises up at the wrong time. Or Pastor, I've, I've I've been condemning, been gossiping, been backbiting my brother and my sister. I recognize God's not pleased with that. I want to lay it at the cross. See, I don't know where you are this morning, but I can guarantee this. When we put ourselves on the cross and let God crucify our flesh, we will once again see the flow of the river of life begin to flow in our lives.